Welcome to another edition of In The Zone. I am your host, Garrison Roy, and today we have a very awesome guest, Coach Adam Basil from SIUE. Adam, go ahead and introduce yourself, man. What is up, gang? I am Adam Basil. Uh, Like Garrison said, I'm from Southern Illinois University, Edwardsville. We're in the Ohio Valley Conference. We're about 25 minutes outside of St. Louis, um, which is an awesome place to be. Um, Wasn't a Cardinals fan. Now I am a Cardinals fan. Bush Stadium is, it is special. Um, I'm glad you said that because I grew up a Cardinals fan. And like, when you go to a Cardinals game, it's just like, you don't have the, like, you you do have the chaining stuff, but like everybody there already knows what to do. Like you can't, nobody's like getting agged on to try to, you know, do something to be a part of the game. Like they just already know it's a, it's part of their blood. It's pretty, you know, it's a good, uh, you know, it's a good environment, a good stadium when the wave makes it around like at least three times, right? Oh, that's when yeah. you know, that's when you know people are engaged uh, as silly as that sounds, but. Well, imagine that, like if that's a regular season game, imagine that atmosphere in the 2006 yeah. world series with, yeah. my, with my dad, that was absolutely nuts. <laughs> oh, you went, is that the, is that the baby free zone run or like. Uh, no, that was 2013. So Oh six was like the poo holes throwing the uh, like the ball to I think it was Wainwright on his back like literally on his back that was when the the Tigers had Scherzer Verlander Verlander was yeah yeah all those dudes right the whole thing they were they were said that's when they had Joel Zamaya too is like one of the first 100 mile an hour thrower you know guys this closer and then Wainwright was a was a closer at the time too Really? Close it out. Yeah. So he started as a closer and then transitioned to uh, a pitcher, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's cool history. I mean, people really love their baseball in St. Louis. Like I'm, you know, obviously I saw from Cleveland, but the, the listeners know I'm from Cleveland, Ohio. Um, yeah. Go Browns, go guardians. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, I love the environment there, but definitely St. Louis is definitely a baseball town. And, um, you know, we both know Dusty Blake, who's you know involved with the Cardinals. So it's cool to yeah you know, talk to him and just hear the, you know, you hear talk radio driving to work, and then you talk to Dusty, who's the pitching strategist. The actual for, back end of it, yeah. Yeah, so it's it's cool to hear all that. But, yeah, man, St. Louis is cool. Um, Southern Illinois. Edwardsville is awesome. I'm really enjoying it. You know, our team's pretty solid this year. Uh, our offense, as of yesterday, we are um, third in the country in home runs hit, which is really exciting. Um, obviously, I'm one of the pitching guys, but, hey, man. We love the hitters, baby. I throw some clean beeps, so uh, I like to think that uh, that can that converts, and we're enjoying it. We're in Memphis, like I told you. We're in this weekend, hope it turns out well. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, let's touch a little bit back on your uh, your playing career a little bit. Yeah. So, um, I started. At Ashland University is where I played college baseball. It's a pretty elite Division II school in Central Ohio. Um, had a good career there. Had a lot of fun. And then um, I had labrum surgery, which labrum rotator cuff surgery, which is 
you know, oftentimes a killer for a lot of guys. Um, but you know, crush that rehab. And in that process, that's where I met you guys down at the Florida Baseball Ranch, down the Armory. I met you down there, and that was a great part of my process. It brought me back. And uh, then I grad transferred to the University of Indianapolis. Um, had a good time there and you know, learned a lot. I was a grad assistant coach there, which is really cool. And that's what really kickstarted my um, thirst for coaching. And then when I was at the ranch for the summer, um, so I went to the ranch in the summer of 2018. And when I was down there, I w- went there to run the hitting program, right? So that was the first time Randy like really went all in on the, you know, the battery hitting system is what he called it. Um, myself and Grant, shout out Grant, if you hear this, miss you, man. Um, town. Yes. Yeah. We, uh, we crushed that. We had fun. And when I was down there, you know, I was just helping out with the pitching side because there's so many guys. Um, you know, I was your, uh, you know, strength and savage uh, assistant. Right, yeah, which we needed with as many guys as we had on the floor. At yeah, time. without a doubt, that was, yeah, it was it was a good time. Learned a lot from you and the guys, and then uh, so Al Reddy is the head coach at Indy, and he called me and he said, "Hey, we're gonna have a huge recruiting class of pitchers. Can you, you know, transition to pitchers?" Um, and to kind of trace back, I was a catcher when I played. Um, you know, I was a two way growing up and in college, and I was a fall ball all star on the mound. You know, towards the end of fall, when some moms were hanging, they, they'd call in the big righty and uh, <laughs> eat a little bit. A big but, donkey. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, a little bigger now. Back then, I could, could let it eat a bit. But uh, so I never pitched. And it was a, a transition. And honestly, I was a bit reluctant to, to make that transition. You know, I was running a hitting program at a very high level and learning a ton of stuff. And I was excited to bring that back to Indianapolous. But you know, he called me and said, you know, I'm going to need you on the pitching side. Like, you have a high level of feel. As a catcher, that's pretty common. You know, a high-level catcher, you can understand the game. So, you know, I already understood the game and, you know, the compete mindset and, you know, the, the feel, right? It's kind of a um, out yeah, there. You, you word, see when but, a pitcher is also kind of spiraling out a little bit too, probably. Yeah. Just because of you catching so much, like you've seen a lot of guys throw. So you're like, all right, like this guy's definitely flustered. Let me go, you know, talk to him or somebody's got to go talk to him. Or you get him yeah. in the dugout after and you're like, all right, dude, like, what happened on this batter or what happened on this pitch or things just started to kind of spiral out, you know, those things are, uh, you know, like you said, feel goes a long way. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. I think, you know, the higher level you get, um, you know, the data is more and more important, but also having that feel and being able to be more conversational, I think is a huge element. So, you know, I'm thankful that, you know, Al saw that in me and pushed me to the pitching side and, um, I, you know, conveniently I was down with you guys at the ranch and you know, submersed in you know, one of the best pitching environments there is in the world. Right. We went to Taiwan. Like that's how legit it was. Oh, so awesome. Yeah. You know, being able to be exposed to that was fantastic. And- um, transitioning from what you said about feel, right. Uh, do you think you can teach feel or coach feel? Oh, man. No, it's a tough one. It's a really tough one. I think you can. I think you can teach it a little bit. You know, there's always the some guys are going to have more baseball IQ than others just because they play the game more. Correct. Yeah, and I think experience is a huge part of it. Yeah, right? like trial and error, really being able to understand, you know, what people go through and be being able to empathize. I think is big, right? So the difference between sympathy and empathy, right? Empathy is I have been in that situation before. So I can truly understand, right? Sympathize is, 
you know, Hey, I get what you're going through. Like I could see how that could make you feel that way. Right. So, you know, being, having empathy is a big part of it. Um, but I do think you can teach it, you know, it's not easy, but you know, creating an environment to help guys learn how to you know, become leaders, learn how to think about baseball a different way. Um, you know, it's not easy. And, you know, someone could come up with a little coursework for teaching feel. I, I mean, I'm all in, take my monies, but I think, <laughs> you know, it's, you know, you're, that's you're the hard part about coaching. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's one of those things, like you said, it, it does take experience and it's also really hard to replicate in game like situations without doing a scrimmage game or things like that yeah, in yeah. practice. Right. Yeah. You can add in as many slices to it as you want to try to replicate it. But at the end of the day, like the game is the game. Right. So, you know, but even on the, on the flip side of that, so even just feel for like body awareness or, you know, motor system focus, kind of like what we did with the battery hitting system, right. Where like yeah. you guys would have hitting stations and then you guys would send them over to me to do more like feels right. To try yeah. to like, you know, figure out like what their body is doing and things like that. Like that's, definitely ingrained in more of self-awareness right and i think that's where the whole feel thing kind of starts right is like are you self-aware are you like are you present are you grounded in what you're doing can you like actually you know have some kinesthetic feel but right there's kinesthetic feel and then there's situational feel i think um if if you want to break it out to those two different types of things or even environmental feel i guess too like um a really good example would be like, you know, the first time you get to a new field, right. Or guys have never played before you go check out, all right, how far is the backstop or how's the ball going to bounce off of the wall in the outfield, yeah. right. Stuff that you probably feel out and BP. Um, but sometimes you don't have that luxury, right. So you got to go and kind of see what the field's like. If it rained a couple of days before, like what's the grass like for the outfielders, like how's the ball going to roll. Yeah. get a feel for that with in and out right in the midst of it um but a lot of that you know, little nuanced stuff does actually go a long way i think paying attention to small details yeah without a doubt like to pay back off that we were just playing um, at another university in a midweek um and their mound was i mean dude it was not the limpest bro it was intense, beautiful. Oh my gosh, I was beautiful. I was like, man, they this is a beautiful mouth. But you know, compared to you know the bullpen, right, which is you know dang near flat ground, mm. and then you go out there and it's super steep. And so I really tell the guys in the bullpen because I'm like during the games the bullpen bullpen bench coach right now, um, which I'm enjoying and learning a lot from. But I told him when you go out there, walk the mound, right? Like walk down the mound, look at it, feel like look where the other guys are landing. Like Do don't for hours, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. Like your first reps, you know, just kind of take like a stride pause, like get down the mound and like feel your momentum because you're gonna have to do a lot less, right? Steeper the mound, do less. There's guys like I should shorten my stride. It's like, no, don't think about that. Because do the work then, exactly, which which is hard to hard to do as an athlete, right? I mean, we were both there before. You know, sure. you and I are, we're very cerebral guys. And that's probably why we make good coaches and we weren't great players. Like, let's be uh-huh. honest, you know, like we were competitive dudes and that got us to where we needed to be. But like that super next level jump, you know, we got in our own way. I don't want to speak for you, but I you know, got in our own way a little bit. And sure. that's what makes us now. Uh, yeah, you had to flip the switch for me. It, it, it took until probably my junior or senior year of college to just be like DGAF mode. Right. Like yeah. you get in your head so much, but then you're just like, Ah, screw it. Let's go. 
Yeah. Let's and make it happen. Whatever we got to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I wish, uh, I wish I had that one more. <laughs> yeah. Is that, is that one of the things that you think like reflecting back, like if, if you could go and tell yourself something, you'd be like, Hey dude, like don't get so dumbed up over little stuff. Like just play the game, yeah. let the game come to you. Right. Like the, it, it does go. It, it, how do I say this guys who get really cerebral and care a lot do tend to, um, you know, get, get in that super dumb, so to yeah. speak, right. Because they, they want everything to be perfect or straight on because they prepared so much, you know, we've all were, were dedicated to our craft. So we wanted it to work out a certain way. Um, yeah. yeah. And I like think- once it, once it hits the fan then it's like, okay, now what? Yeah, hundred percent, man. Hundred percent. Like, if I could go back and, you know, knowing what I know now, tell myself uh, some of the stuff you learned with. Uh, we're trying to simplify motor learning as best you can, right? Variability yeah. and training, just trusting your body to do what it needs to do. Right? Like, I didn't have that awareness. Can't go back to awareness. Didn't have that feel. Like, it's just gonna happen. You know, um, just coming to the pressure a little bit too. You know, being um, you know, this may be a uh, contrary to many beliefs, but I think back in college, I was almost uh, too um, impressionable, too coachable, right? Like I trusted my teammates. You know I me, mean? I'm a very trusting guy. Like I put it all out there and I would just, you know, I'll be listening to juniors, seniors, other freshmen, like all of their opinions and like, Hey man, like think about loading like this, like, Hey man, doing like this. And it was all like with great intentions. And I'm thankful for those guys to most guys have good intentions. Yeah. Yeah. But at the time it was like, man, I'm just grasping like, Hey, you know, JP Sorma, like hit 25 home runs one year, like amazing dude, one of my best friends. And if he's hitting like an absolute monster and he's loading like this, why would I not do that? You know? So yeah. Not just trusting yourself. Awesome. Yeah, it's 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 one of those things, you know, some players are really good and they know what feels work for them, but it yeah. could totally screw up another dude that one may have a total different physiological makeup. Two, <laughs> right. you know, yeah. he might he might have to cue something a certain way, but is that actually how he moves? Probably not. Yeah. Definitely. And I think that's why I was an above average catcher, you know, like full glove nominee catcher, like because we didn't have a catching coach at Ashland, right? Um, you know, John Shally's won over a thousand games. Like he was very helpful. But as I, you know, earned my stripes and became a veteran, like when I came into catching time, he was like, Hey Adam, like I want to work on these two things today. Like, can you take the guys through the rest? And that trust of doing it, I think really helped me just not worry about anything else and just play the game. And then also with catching, um, obviously you're the leader of the field and you have to think a lot. You have to think through situations strategically, but it happens so quickly. Like when a ball comes to you, you just react. When, a, when it's in the dirt, you just block. Like when a dude runs, you just throw. So it took a lot of my my thinking out of it, which was why I was the next level there. And, and hitting wise, it was not where I wanted it to be, but it's it is what it is. I, I had a good career. I had a good college career. You know, I influenced a lot of people. I won a lot of games, and you know, now I'm a pitching coach. So maybe it was meant to be. <laughs> For sure. Everything happens for a reason. Uh, yeah. Let's. I want to kind of circle back because I, I love what you said about, you know, you had to to react to balls and things like that, like as it was happening. 
how much of that also too was kind of like anticipation or like thinking ahead kind of like chess like you were like all right in this situation i gotta do this in this situation i gotta do this or did you just react like whenever you were playing your best did you just react and not really think about the next couple of plays or like hey there's a runner on second or this guy on second is probably going to try to come home after this like then i have to do this or is that more instinctive um it's a learned skill that then becomes instinctive yeah right? I, something that we did uh at a very elite level at ashland was we practiced like every scenario there was so like bump plays like we would literally be in a classroom and you'd be tested on it and and cuts and relays and you know he'd have catchers go play shortstop and we'd move around so we know what guys have to do he'd have the center fielder play first base so like everyone knew what was going on and then that way in the game you didn't have to think about it it was like all right hey, guys on first base we got bump play one is late in the game all right so guys are you know infield's playing towards line no doubles don't worry about that guy we're trying to get him at second that kind of stuff but Without that experience and understanding, it's a lot harder to be reactive and instinctual. Yeah. Right? Because if you're just reacting based on what's happening right in front of you, well, then you don't have that. Again, I, I don't know how to put it, but you don't have that experience to know, you know, classic example. Guys on first and second as a catcher, right? Ball in the dirt. Kid, kid steals third, dirt ball read. Kid on second is always going to, excuse me, guy on first is always going to be late stealing second because he has to go off of the guy that's already at second. Yeah. Right. So, you know, to make that play, you have to be 100% reactionary. You pick it up and you know you're going to second base the whole time. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have the experience to know that that guy's going to be late, or you haven't learned that, well, then, you know, you're going to block the ball. You're going to try and rush and throw the third for a complete no play. And then you risk going in the outfield. So, um, I think that kind of answers your question. Yeah, no, it does. It does. It's um, yeah. I was just curious of like your perspective on it. Cause some guys are just like, no, I just did it. You know? And it's like, okay. Like you had to have at least thought ahead at some point. Right. Let me, let me ask you, like, I think trial and error is one of the best like learning processes there are as simple sure. as it is. Like just do it and figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in your experience, you know, playing coaching, cause you had a, di- a bit, of a different, like you are, I go for you to advice and for help, right? Like, you know, a lot of, a lot more stuff than I do. So in your opinion is how important is trial and error is, do you create environments for that? And what are your opinions on? Skip ahead the next 60 seconds. If you don't want to find out about the company, I co-founded Ink Sports Performance. So here's the scoop. At Ink Sports Performance, we get it. We were athletes ourselves, former college and professional pitchers. We were also former college coaches as well. Rob and I, we don't do one-size-fits-all programs. We custom craft each training and throwing program and offer that one-on-one coaching support that you need where you're not just a number. We're all about that personal touch. We'll dive into your training videos, whip up some of the program designed to take you to your next level. Nothing cookie cutter here. So if you, one of your friends, or maybe a player that you know is serious about competing at the next level, have, hit us up on our website, give us a call, get that set up at inksportsperformance.com. And also just a heads up, we're also very selective, selective who we take, right? We only take a handful of dedicated athletes 
And if you're not putting in the work, we'll have to say goodbye. So let's ink you in to the next level. Yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm all about experimentation. Uh, and like you said, trial and error. Because if you're not willing to do that, then that means that you're only thinking of one way of doing things, right? Um, now, to the point where like, hey, let's not try everything under the sun necessarily and, you know, get lost in a rabbit hole. I think that's where me as a coach and a lot of other coaches do are hopefully thinking the same thing as like, hey, I don't want these kids to make the same mistakes I made. Like, hey, I used to do that. Probably don't want to do it this way. Here's a better way of doing it. Right. Um, or, you know, an athlete's like, Hey, have, have you ever thought about me? Like lifting my leg like this or doing this? I'm like, I don't know. Let's try it in a practice setting first. Right. Like yeah. don't just go out in the game and be like, all right, I'm going to do the whole like Stroman leg lift, little pump fake. Yeah. Go like you got to practice that first before you expect to perform at a high level with that. Definitely. And I think that's the, the hardest part for coaching, whether you know, you're at a university or a high school coach or a football coach, or you're, you know, just a development mm-hmm. coach, right? Like just on the skill side of it, right. And you know, the mental side. And I know you do you know, all this stuff, like, you know, you pretty much do everything except you're not in a dugout. Right. So yeah, yeah, yeah. it's huge there, but um, the hardest part is quantifying that feel, right. That experimentation, mm. right. Like, I really feel good only slide stepping. All right. So now to get yeah, the only quant- Yeah. The only quantification you can get is like the ball flight or the velo, right. Or location. Right. Like that's yeah. a couple things you could quantify. So you base that off of what you did before. Yeah. Is and it better or worse. You know, right. And the, the hardest part, um, the hardest part for, me and, and us as like in season college coaches is well to get a legitimate sample size of if, if that actually makes a difference is three weeks of bullpens, which you don't right? really have so, much time with that and like unless it's yeah. ball, right? Yeah, or, and then you, red shirt you get your, yeah, and, and you get a bullpen, you throw a bullpen a week, right? You know, like our Friday guys, like weekend guys will throw on you know, probably Wednesday, depending on the midweek. You know, if we have one and where it's at and who pitched and there's just so many variables in that in itself. But um, you know, you just gotta find ways to quantify it. Like it, for you to get a hundred pitches in the strictly in the slide step and we compare it to your previous hundred pitches, man, that, that's a lot of time and that's a lot of workload that we don't really know if we can do. So uh that yeah. kind of transitioned to another thought I had is like I am a sucker for catch play. Hmm. Oh man, catch play. Let's think about the math a little bit, right? How many pitches would you throw? If you're a starting pitcher, how many pitches do you throw in a week? Not including warm-ups? Correct. Just game. Yeah. 80 to 100. Okay. So let's say 100, higher side, right? Yeah. And then if we go midweek bullpen and like a pregame warm-up, we're probably at 150, 160. Right. Right? So that's 160 throws plus every throw you make during the week, right? So you're probably making – you know, if you have one, you know, off recovery day, five workload throwing days, I mean, you're throwing upwards of you know, 500 times a week, right? If you include plyo throws into it, maybe even more, right? Like, yeah. you know, 50 throws a week. Yeah, it's probably even higher. So 
That is, so we say 150 throws on the mound. We throw 500 in a week, right? The difference there. We have 350, I hope my math's right. We have 350 free reps to get better, mm. right? Whether it's working on your slide step, working on, if you want to do the, the strum and pump kick, right? If you want to, you know, go over the top with your windup. For us, it's mixing your looks, mixing your times to the plate. Right, like you do that in catch play. Yeah, like Love that. we finish almost, we finish almost every single day um, with ten like sequence. So um, the old adage is like U C L A, right? We're four letter schools. We go S I U E. So we have the guys come set and you mix it up. Like your partner, you ask like, oh, that, that was you, or you go back and forth, and you know we had to create that diligence, right? Um, but I'm just sorry for catch play. It's 350 free reps. I don't care if you're doing plyo throws, man. Like, I don't care if you're doing a pivot pick, right? You start in this position and mix it up. Like, if you're a guy that just really struggles in the game, like you're a big one breath guy, well, when you're doing plyos in your recovery day, that is the perfect opportunity to get out of that breath, right? Mm. Pitch, pitch. Okay. Let me take my deep breath, give me a U count, and then go. S U and now we hit a pivot pick, right? Like there's this, there's so many free opportunities to get better that there's no excuse for experimenting on the mound, right? I think experimentation uh, is yeah. such a sexier way to say trial and error, by the way. So thank you for that. Yo, yeah, definitely. Yes. Everybody's <laughs> like, oh call it whatever you want. It is what it is, right? Trial and error, experimentation. Um, but I really like what you said there and like how you implemented that to be even in a plyo throw that's less representative of what's going to be in the game, you still threw something in to try to make it representative, right? Even yeah. if it's not like, you know, a pivot pick, in my opinion, doesn't really represent a, a throw like how you would do off a of mound at all, right? Like it's, it's more <laughs> backwards. There's, there's probably reasons for it for certain guys. Um, I don't te- technically program it often, Unless I feel like there, it, it's a good need that's going to yield a particular, um, you know, movement pattern or just feel for a guy. Like for example, like uh, feeling like he can actually leverage his pec and you know pull that through first, right? Yeah. Or kind of feel, uh, you know, quote unquote hip shoulder separation. But even then, it's like very shoulder driven, right? Not to get on a tangent here, but like you know, pivot picks. What's the first thing it moves? Shoulder, then torso, then pelvis, and then the arm goes, right? But yeah. when you're actually going through the full delivery, it's pelvis, torso, shoulder, arm. So the sequence is a little bit different, right? Yeah. Not saying, and again, not saying that there's no merit to that drill. It's just doesn't represent your actual yeah. delivery. I, I view very similarly to you that like how the pivot pick turned into like a universal warm-up, right? Mm-hmm. Like everybody does a pivot pick, right? Uh-huh. And again, that comes into, dude, it's crazy how much feel, right? Like I don't realize how much feel there is, but yeah. it cra- it crazy it comes into, and hey, Garrison, does a pivot pick like really make you feel good? Like, do you really feel like you can get your first throws of the day and at a high level? Yes. Okay. Well, if, if it doesn't, then, then why are we doing it? If it does, yeah. No, then, then I'll you constantly it. audit your your um your process. Yeah, without a doubt. 
good, good choice of words there. Yeah, it's it's one of those things, and not saying you got to totally revamp it, especially midseason, but like, hey, instead of doing two sets of pivot picks, let's just do one. Cut back some volume so you're not completely gassed, right? I was early on in my career, especially in high school, that was probably my biggest issue was I would go in and do the crazy warm-up and do all this stuff, and then all of a sudden by the time it was time to pitch, I was like, holy crap, dude, I'm – tired like yeah. i did all this stuff just to try to get warmed up and then i'm like i i'm gassed i can't i got nothing left really right so i had yeah. to learn i had eventually had to learn how to cut and dial that back some to where it was enough mm-hmm. not trying to just you know or or even in the bullpen right like as i was transitioning into more of a bullpen guy in college i developed that feel to be like all right i don't need to throw you know three throws for every one throw that the guy out on the field's doing unless the situation's like hey dude get hot let's go right but if yeah. it's like hey let's just get warm let's get loose all right cool he's gonna throw two pitches i'm gonna throw one throw or one pitch mm-hmm. right yeah and that's that's something where you know it is a little tricky because certain coaches are just like you know they they make a, a decision on a whim and they're like ah okay i need you in now right um so that's that's another thing that's like, can you teach that? Can you teach feel without having a coach down there holding your hand the entire time? I'm not saying that you know you being a bullpen coach isn't necessary, but I understand. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 one of those things where you're just like, hey, dude, let's pull back the reins a little bit. Yeah, yeah, and that's a great analogy. Like, you know, I me, mean, I'm a big analogy guy, and what mm-hmm. I tell our guys quite frequently is. Well, we, yeah, you know, and just pulling pulling the reins like you are secretary, right? Like you are Biscuit. Like your job, I want you to feel like you want to go, 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 go. Like go hard every opportunity you can, right? And it's my job as a coach, you know, to be the jockey and have the reins and be like, hey, we gotta save a little bit, right? Hey, we gotta save for this last turn. Like, hey, it's only Tuesday or you know whatever it is. It's only midweek bullpen. Like we just gotta touch up. Like I think that is. Uh, in that regard, coaches are the unsung heroes of workload management. Mm-hmm. And there's always going to be guys, you know, like you and I, we probably did way too much when we were playing. Like you just said, right? Like, you know, it's okay not to be completely exhausted seven days a week. Yeah. Right? Like you have to be able to save yourself for something. So, you know, I try and find guys that are, you know, the secretariat and they just need a little guidance and a little wisdom just to slow them down a little bit. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, it's never easy, but for sure. Yeah. Well, and there's, there's also some guys too, that's like, Hey, yeah, let's pull the reins back, let you calm down. But then they get like almost too docile after that. You're like, okay, we got to find a middle ground here. So don't go too far this way. Don't go too far this way. You got to find that the pendulum swing to get that, uh, that Goldilocks, you know, zone where, where everything kind of clicks. Do you, do you have, have you ever had any of your athletes or like, do you believe in uh, like journaling? Hmm, Yeah. Um, I don't necessarily like tell every kid to do it, but I think like self-reflection and without really saying it, like as some of them text me, like after, you know, a poor outing or stuff like that, I'd be like, Oh, I sucked. Or like, Hey, there, here's the stat line. I'm like, okay, 
what happened on this pitch or what happened on the two walks. And they technically, Durnal, to me, not saying that I'm like, keep it all in my head, right? I'll yeah. just the list of that. But like them texting that out kind of is also a form of journaling because they're just self-reflecting on the situation. Wow. I like that a lot. That's a great way to. That's the only way that I, you know, just obviously. Get it out there. Just remotely. put it out there. Right? Like it forces you to. Yeah. I never thought about texting like that. Like it really forces you to have a conscious thought, mm-hmm. put it into, you know, an understandable words, yeah. words feeling, right? You can actualize what's in your head. And uh, I like that. That's a good idea. Yeah. It's a lot well, Sometimes, you know, you, you can be more brutally honest, like when you write it in a journal or something like that, or like a little bit more unfiltered, right? But, you know, you give an honest assessment of where you're at and then you're like, okay, cool. Do you have video of that? Let me tell you what I'm seeing too, right? Whether it's mechanical or even just like, you know, one video and you're like, dude, you look really tense or you look like really, you know, rushed for, you know, yeah. lack of better terms. Like, it's like, what was going through your mind during the game? It's like, oh, I don't know. I just felt super slow. I felt like I had to do more today. And I'm like, okay, good observation. Like, why'd you feel slow? Did you get plenty of sleep, right? Did you do this? Did you do this? Did you check those boxes? Okay. Now, were you trying to replace that with uh, early intent? And then that just kind of screwed everything up and, you know, more of a domino effect versus mm-hmm. just being like, all right, cool. Take a step back, take a deep breath, relax. All right, boom. Now we're back in, we're zoned in, ready to rock and roll. Yeah, the, the early intent piece, I think, is um, I have, I'm going through a lot of experience with that with, with some guys right now, I think. Um, you know, yeah, I would, I would ask them. I mean, I, I honestly would, like, just watch guys throw pins and be like, when do you throw or what, when are you applying the most of your intent in this pitch, right? And sometimes they have to throw a few more to kind of feel out that. It's like, all right, if you – wait a little bit longer to imply that maximal intent. Let's just see what happens, right? That that's experimenting in a very minute level. And I guess this is something that we can kind of bounce back. There's, there's macro experimentation and micro experimentation. Macro is obviously for off season and for like stuff when, when guys come to me in the off season, because you can make those great big changes to have that bigger sample size. Like you said, things like intent, things like feel or certain focus things more um, process oriented versus movement system. I feel like you can experiment with that all day, right? Very simple to, or similar to what you just said about the pivot picks, right? Like it's literally just timing and breath sick that I love that, right? You're not necessarily changing anything mechanically. You're just changing their intention and right because there, there's a difference between an intent and intention you have an intention. Oh, okay garrison yeah. you have an you have an intention to you know throw this ball by this guy or an intention to throw this ball in the dirt right versus intent is more of like uh intent you know it's such an overused word but it would it would probably be more of like conviction 
I think. Yeah. Yeah. It'd probably be a better, better term. Um, yeah. Yeah. When, when that is impl- applied. And I think that is a, a byproduct of, you know, I hate to say it, but like velocity type training stuff that, you know, we've, we've coached in the past is like, they want to try to throw hard. So what's their first initial move tense up, try to you know, similar to like what you would do in the weight room or deadlift. Right. But they don't realize that, Hey, pitching is a lot more of like a flow, yeah. right? Guys who've hit before, right. I hit in high school, understand like if you try to muscle up and squeeze everything, as soon as you start to swing, it's not going to go very far, man. Some of your yeah. best swings are more fluid, more free and easy. And then it's just like, boom, you don't even feel the ball hit the barrel. Yeah. Easy. And that's the same thing for pitching. I think it's, it's the sequence, it's the flow, it's the synergy of all that coming together and just tip of the whip coming out of the hands. Yep. Yep. Just using your leverage to your advantage, man. Just finding out where the transfers are. It's feel baby. (laughs) That's it. Um, Yeah. So you know, that's, that's, that could boil down into a whole nother podcast on mindset and stuff like that, you know, but yeah. um, were you, were you ever redshirted or do you, do you have any guys that, that are, that you currently work with that are redshirted? So I redshirted my senior year when I had shoulder surgery. Mm-hmm. Later um, on. Yep. Which was the greatest yeah, most difficult year of like my athletic career without out. Yeah. Uh, Glad you said yeah. that too. Cause it's like, honestly, in the moment you're like, dang, this sucks. Like just got redshirted. I can't play probably one of the only times you've never competitively played, you know, through travel ball or high school ball and everything. And then you're like, boom, in the moment it, it sucks. But when you reflect back, you're like, actually learned a lot this is good to kind of reflect and watch other people play to give yourself a little bit more perspective 100 percent. i think yeah 100 i think the greatest thing that could happen for some freshmen so like i was obviously injury redshirted right so like mm-hmm. there was a circumstance that forced me to do it and there's a little bit more of easy in my mind because it was i couldn't play so like obviously you're going through all sorts of mental turmoil and physical turmoil, but you know, like, I mean, I, I can support guys, but I can't do anything about it. Right. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, I, I can, I can imagine you know, what a freshman goes through who just red shirts, like as, just red as shirts, soon as he gets injured and correct. Yeah. You're just not good enough yet. Right. Which is really hard to hear. And, you know, every kid on a college baseball team was one of, if not the best kid where he came from. Sure. And so, then it turns into now I'm yeah. good amongst you've never, Yeah, you've never been told, hey, you're not good enough right now. You need to get better. And I mean, looking back on it, I've told this to like all the time. So I played a summer in uh, summer baseball in California with top, top speed baseball and um, a ton of Juco guys, NAIA guys, like pretty wild, wild west bunch. And a lot of the guys had, like, they had chosen to redshirt uh, when they were younger. And I was like, that kind of sucks. Like, you don't get a chance to play. Like, dude, you're a dog. Like, why did you redshirt? He goes, well, because, like, I knew I wasn't going to get a ton of opportunities. And I just wanted to get better. Like, I got a meal plan now. I got a weight room 24 access. I got all this stuff. Mm -hmm. I was like, man, like, that's a pretty high-level thought. 
for, for having that awareness, right? Like we, uh, Juco and we can say that tangent for another time, like Juco has really accelerated the presence of Juco and the, the it's always oh, been, especially where you're at. Like I went to a Juco out in Missouri, uh, played a lot of teams in like the St. Louis area. Like Juco's are really big out there. They are. Yeah. They're, they're very prominent. That's new for me, like recruiting wise. Um, you know, I'm the, on the volley. So like, I'm not going out recruiting, but like obviously being involved in those, those conversations, like learning the new junior college, like just a ton in Iowa, like understanding that process is a bit yeah. different than it. But, you know, back to the Russian stuff, like it's, it's a blessing in disguise and, you know, there's, there's things that come with it and sometimes it doesn't work out. Right. And it, and sometimes it does, but I think more times than not, it's not as intimidating as it seems in that moment. Right. You're sacrificing one year where you're, you either can't play because you're hurt or you're not going to play because you're not good enough mm-hmm. to give yourself a whole nother season of being a dude. Right. And it works out too. Like, you know, if there's any parents tuning in, all right, like I was able to get a master's degree because I redshirt. Yeah. Right. Like a lot of people don't think about that. Good props to that for sure. Yeah. Like if you redshirt a whatever year it is and you stay, um, you know, you stay diligent and you stay online with your coursework, you can graduate in four years. And then depending on the school, you can get a master's in one year, you can get a master's in a year and a half or however thing is now you can get a master's completely remote online. Right. So you can graduate in, graduate in four years fifth year you don't even have to go anywhere to class you just wake up you know type a couple papers right wow. do a couple booms and then and then you graduate your fifth year you're an absolute savage and you ha- you leave with two degrees like i mean come on dude like yeah well year. and and if the the coach was nice enough and he kept you on scholarship all those years like can't can't beat that yeah absolutely i mean and there's definitely a uh you know, a commitment on both sides to that, right? sure. and, you yeah. know, to each his own and everyone's going to handle that differently. But and I think within this small little microcosm conversation of redshirting, it is, does way more good than it does that. That, that would be my stance. on it. Yeah. That's no, solid. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm going to ask you a question. I'm curious. So okay, cool. you asked me earlier, if I could go back, you know, to my playing days and tell myself something. Mm-hmm. If I wish I knew something. I'm really curious what your answer would be to that. Dude. Yeah. My answer would be to not take myself so damn seriously, to be honest. Like, you know, I, I did everything where it was like to the max, like I would be in the outfield doing in and out and I'd be like ripping balls to the catcher or ripping balls to the cutoff, like max effort. And you know, being an extreme hustle guy, like coaches like that, but to the point where it was like max effort, everything, even in like PFPs, I remember to this day, like we were doing uh, practice in PFPs and they're like, Hey, let's just do a quick little pitch out. Right. We're just going to work on, you know, having that. And then the catcher's going to throw down the to second or to first, the third, right. To just try to try to work on that. Yeah, my dumbass decides to throw a ball right down the middle because I said, "Hey, I'm struggling with command, so I'm going to throw as far as I can down the middle and not have a pitch out." And my high school coach comes up to me. And he goes, "Do you not know what a pitch out is?" I'm like, "Yes, I do know what a pitch out is." It's like, then do it. It's like, okay. And then I just continued to 
throw balls as hard as I could, but like yeah. air mailed it. So it was like defeating the purpose. And he's like, get off field. I was like, okay. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kind of, I, kind of a hard nosed thing there, but it was like, you know, one of those, one of those things where you're, you, you look back and you're like, all right, dude, like every rep matters, but not to the point where you got to take it to that extreme. Yeah, like yeah. it's okay to just kind of lob it in there, especially when you're working on that. Like, I don't even think we warmed up very well during that time, but it was like, you know, have some, you know, like you said, quote unquote feel. Don't feel yeah, like yeah. you got to rip the ball every time it's put in your hand. Yeah. It's a learned skill. It, it is. It definitely yeah. is. Right. But, I, you know, obviously I was kind of bought into the mindset of like, Hey, if you throw hard all the time, then like eventually your velocity is going to go up and everything. You just got to have the high intent there. Obviously reflecting back now, it's like, yes, that's true. But also at the same time, like you got to know when to dial it back. Definitely. Back definitely. Like that's, that's why I believe I you know, ended up tearing my labor. Like obviously a labor. So for me, it wasn't a one throw. Oh my gosh. Like mm-hmm. it was over time. And I, I, kind of trademark the term competitive ignorance, right? Guys that are hurt, like feeling some nagging stuff, the competitive ignorance, like I don't care to think about, or I'm just unaware of what could happen if I continue to push myself. Like I'm just one competitive dude and I want more, right? It's like, I don't know where it came from, but when we were, we were playing, like we're pretty much the same age, like one year apart, uh, grad wise, but like throw more, throw gas. Mm -hmm. Facts. Right. Which, which is still as true to an extent, but like, obviously there's much more to it now. And thankfully we know it, but like, sure. I had, I had a very good arm. That was my, that was my asset. And I long tossed every single day. I would throw the ball almost as far as I could every single day, which, yeah, which was, and you know, it helped, but it's like, the return, right? you get to a point and it's like, man, why can't I not get the ball there? Why do I have that arm? Why do I have this? And and it hurts yourself, hurts you down the road, but you know, it, it makes us better coaches for it. And if we have, I think we played in a very interesting time to where, and maybe you were different, but I mean, I had a smartphone when I was playing. It wasn't that long ago, right? Like I graduated, I graduated my undergrad in 2017. We grew up with smartphones. Yeah. Obviously we had smartphones, but I don't know about you, but the amount of video I have of myself hitting or catching during college is minimal. Oh, really? Like, oh yeah. For me, so like, you were ahead of the curve, and and maybe that was just like the the culture that I was in at Ashland. Like, I think real great in the video. I didn't have a lot. How it changed in three, four years. I didn't have a lot in college, mainly because I was just like, all right, like my phone's away in in the locker room or in my car or whatever. Like, I don't want to be distracted. So I think that was one of the main reasons why I didn't have a lot of video through college. But in high school. I had the family camera recorder out and I would video really? myself in a garage doing like plyo drills and stuff all the time. Wow. Wow. I didn't really go back and look at them too often. I would just be like, Hey, that felt really good. What does that look like? Okay, cool. Yeah. And then press record again. And then like, Oh, that felt weird. That felt weird. That felt weird. Hey, that felt good. Okay, cool. What does that look like? Like yeah. it was almost the opposite of like kind of how some guys I've coached in the past is like, all right, Hey, let's look at like what was wrong. Point that out. That's actually interesting. I just realized that I would only look at the videos that I thought felt good. 
that is that is different that is interesting yeah hmm. interesting stuff learn to get stuff the journal out baby get yeah. the journal out Whew. love yeah, it it's yeah, these are cool conversations, man. It's stuff like, like I got my notes sheet down here, right? Like I'm already, yeah, you know, writing stuff down. It's, it's good, man. It's a good conversation. I appreciate you having me out. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I think this is a good point to go ahead and end this episode. So, for those of you listening, stay in the zone. Yes, sir.